This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help grow your business, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with your open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire. People with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team and get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour podcast featuring Dave Cariello, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and when he decides to show up, Kevin Held. We are the perfect blend of Saints sincerity and stupidity. Dave, are the Saints ever going to play a football game where the referees are not apologizing to us after the game? No, at this point, it doesn't seem very likely, does it, Ralph? Does it? <laughs> it does doesn't not. seem very likely that we're ever going to get a goddamn officiating crew that knows what the f*** they're doing and doesn't f*** up. And now, here's your host, Ralph Malbro. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to a Sunday night edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Day 117 of the national quarantine. Seriously. <laughs> D- Dave, are you going stir crazy in your house? Oh, man, today was rough. Today was I- rough. I, di- I didn't go to work today. So I was home all day with the kids. You know, of course, my wife was like, well, what do you think I've been doing for the last fucking month? Uh, but, uh, so yeah, it's tough, you know, but I, 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 I don't know if you guys saw on Facebook, but like yesterday I made a, a true to size, life-sized shoots and ladders game out of chalk on my street. I did all 100 squares with all shoots and all ladders. I copied the board game and then we just took the spinner out there and then my kids were the game pieces. Uh, so that killed like an hour, it was like an hour. <laughs> I feel like I play I do stuff with my kid. I'm like we just made a made a rocket out of toilet paper things. We played a game of Uno and we rode the bike around the block and it's 20 minutes later. Like it just is interminably long uh and the draft 
seems like Andrew. It seems like it's nine thousand years away. Yeah. Again, I know it doesn't suit Mickey Loomis. I know it doesn't suit Sean Payton. I know they're unhappy about it, but I and I know that on some level, maybe this whole ordeal is putting the Saints at a disadvantage because they value their draft process and they think their draft process is better than most teams. Uh, but at this point, I don't even care. Screw the Saints. I, I just want the draft. <laughs> you know, Dave, we talked about it on Friday's show for the patrons that uh, you should subscribe. It's $10 a month. You get full access. You get Andrew's grades whenever they sign a free agent. You get his game grades. You get a, a, a Saints podcast every day when you're cooped up in your house and you're going to go stir crazy. You can listen to this show every single day. It's $10 a month, and you get the crude taste coach, which my wife is sending them out as we speak. My wife. Yeah. Uh, my wife slowing the trigger but Dave we talked about it with the NFL told teams look you can have one screw up for the draft if you don't get your pick in on time you can have one screw up during the draft so me and Andrew were trying to figure out what team would be most likely to fuck things up since they're running the draft on zoom so what NFL team I know you would want Atlanta or NFC South team to fuck it up that's what you'd want but what team do you think is more most likely to screw up the draft running remote. I, I mean, whenever you ask me these questions and you make me pick, uh, you know, the stupidest team or whatever, or the, you know, the biggest fuck up, I'm always going to go with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they are uh, <laughs> the obvious answer. Sorry, but, uh, you know, that's like saying, who's the best player on the Saints? Oh, it's Drew Brees. Uh, but, you know, they just, uh, they yeah, are but don't, really But don't you think the Bengals can totally botch this right from the get-go? I mean, right from jump. By not drafting Joe Burrow, <laughs> or just like failing to draft him, just like failing, just like their their they, Wi-Fi, no, feel... their Wi-Fi is flimsy and it crashes right before they turn in the pick, and no, no one can I... get a hold of anyone in their building. I feel like Mike Brown would be like, "Hey, everybody, if we go to Starbucks, we can get the Wi-Fi for free," or he like knows a guy and they're using like a a paid by the minute card. Or like they're doing AOL. Like I, I could see the Bengals doing doing something like that. Um, I hope the Wi-Fi in New Orleans East is okay. Yeah, that's right. What's the <laughs> Wi-Fi situation at Dixie Brewery? Yeah, the USA Today said how terrible it was that it, that that uh, fans might take a take a stroll to New Orleans East to catch a glimpse of Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. And I said on Friday's podcast, <laughs> I saw that that guy had that guy has no idea. Uh, what New Orleans East is like. Like, you know, Only if you're going to Visions would you ever be going by the Dixie <laughs> Brewery. Uh, yeah, there's so much well, foot Dave, traffic out there. Dave, you corrected me. I said 80% of the population of New Orleans would never, ever go to New Orleans East, and they would rather make out with somebody that had coronavirus than go to the East. But you, you came up with the one reason why people go to the East. It's to go Visions. to Visions. That's right. Absolutely. Um, now, I've never been um, – I, ha- I haven't been out to the new brewery since they opened, but um, it's huge. I mean, they've I, heard, I heard it's I, pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think they have like 100,000 square feet of like space, So, and they've got a large outdoor space. So, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they're setting up their war room there. But do they do they need more room than they would have at their facility? Like why aren't they just doing it at the facility on Airline Drive? Well, do they I, need they... extra room? Well, that's the thing, Dave. Right? You that you build these, you probably build these big conference rooms in the NFL, and their war room can probably fit 
20, 30, whatever people in it, but they're probably like right on top of each other and not, they don't have six feet. So like if you got to have the, all the scouts and all the, the personnel directors and you got to have six feet between everybody, like you need like a massive space, right? You know, you don't yeah. you don't build you didn't build the Saints facility thinking of coronavirus and needing six feet, right? I wonder if they'll have the stickers like they have at Wal at Walmart now or the grocery they're like stand here and then six feet, stand here. Will they will they have that in the Saints war room <laughs> or no? I don't know, they need to. If Peyton's got uh the Rona, I know he's probably recovered now, but they don't they don't even know yet whether you can get it again. It's they, they haven't officially said that it's like, you know, a specific flu strain where once you get that specific flu strain, you can't get it again. Uh, so I, we wouldn't want Peyton getting the entire coaching staff in front office infected and having to be quarantined. That would be pretty awesome if Sean Peyton was immune and you just saw him strutting on Bourbon Street. <laughs> right. He'd be the only one, though. So it's not, yeah. it's not really that fun because you're doing it by yourself. I saw the Financial Times of London today. They were blaming Mardi Gras for all New Orleans coronavirus problems. And he they said, still are. They're still, they're still talking about it. I'm, but I'm, they I'm said a, Mardi Gras is a two-and-a-half-hour parade that was on February 25th down Bourbon Street. That isn't true, but the picture they had wasn't even fucking Bourbon Street. So the Financial Times of London. What street was it? It was, was it? Uh, it was like South... It was like North Peters, man. What what's the street where Bubba Gump is? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like by Jack's Brewery. Yeah. That's North Peters. North. By Peters. the way, you know, there's always been the debate between Mobile and New Orleans. You know, who had Mardi Gras first and who's better, whatever. Okay, nobody is blaming Mardi Gras and Mobile uh, for the spread of COVID-19. Okay, I think this makes it official. The only Mardi Gras that matters is New Orleans Mardi Gras. That's the only. It's the only. Um, that's the most important Mardi Gras. Yeah, it is. But, um, but they're not test. They're not testing anyone in Alabama. They have no idea how bad it is over there. <laughs> yeah, Alabama for the longest time was like, we don't have any cases at all. Are you testing anybody? No, no, we're not. <laughs> um, so I don't know how to do a transition. As people that longtime listeners to this podcast, I don't know how to do a transition. So I'm just gonna play this soundbite and then we'll get into it. Will it try to kick the longest? Here's a snap. The ball is down. Dempsey kicks. It's on the way. It is. Good. It's good. It's good. The Saints have won. The Saints have won. The stadium is wild. Dempsey is being mobbed. The time has run out. The Saints have won. 19 to 17. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Tom Dempsey passed away from complications from. Uh, coronavirus and he had dementia so he's, he was in a uh, nursing home so it's it's sort of tragic day because I remember reading last week that they were like oh he's gotten better he's gonna beat it and then they're like no no he just was in hospice care um, so of course it's a tragedy but the interesting thing I was talking with people today on social media uh, about where does Tom Dempsey's kick rank in the sort of Saint, the the greatest play in, moment in Saints history, and and Andrew, I was arguing with people today before 2006, the Tom Dempsey kick was the most famous Saints moment 
to non-Saints fans there was. Like, there was nothing yeah. bigger. Well, I mean, I, I would say to Saints fans, Hakeem drops the ball in 2000, became number one, at least for us as fans. But before 2000, um, yeah, I don't really think – I mean, I, John Gilliam returning the opening kick of the first game is significant to Saints fans, but I think I, I would put Dempsey's kick ahead of that. And right up until 2000 when uh, – Hakeem dropped the ball and the Saints won their first playoff game. Uh, what, what else could you possibly compare that to? I don't know. I mean, I, I would say, Dave, this is an interesting question, too, I saw on Twitter. I'm going to steal it from Rod Walker, the uh, the writer at The Advocate. He said, if you put, if you had a Mount Rushmore of Saints special teams place, what would the four be? You would have to have Ambush, Garrett Hartley kick in the NFC Championship game, right? And mm-hmm. Tom Dempsey's field goal, and, and the Gleason Gleason block punt. Gleason block punt. So, is that the four? Do you bump any like John Gilliam's kickoff return? To, to... Uh, I mean, you know, Saints wound up losing that game, didn't they? They did. <laughs> so, so that kind of takes away from it a little bit. Um, well, wait. Okay. What, what about Carney? What about Carney missing the extra point? Is that is that oh. too negative? <laughs> that's a good one. Well, that but Hakeem dropping the ball, that was that's technically a special teams play, so that's got to be on there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's got to be on there. Man, all our major plays are on that's special right. teams. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so so you can uh, only have four, so what do you bump off? Do you, do you bump off? All right, so we've got Hakeem. We've got Gleason's block. Yeah, I think Gleason, Gleason's – well, I, I, guess, I guess when you say best plays, do you mean more – important to the fan base or more impactful to the franchise is Mount Rushmore. So I, I guess it could be both like, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Mount yeah. Rushmore. So okay. it's a Mount, the Mount Rushmore. I, Saints I, special I still teams. think number one has to be Gleason. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. And I think ambush has to be on there. Yes. Um, and then you've got Dempsey's kick. That's, That's three, th- three. All right. Well that, so now you're and then four has got to be Hakeem. You would put that over Hartley. You would you would put that over yes. Hartley. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's tough. It's Yeah. It's at it's a hard call. I mean, the Saints have a lot of great special teams because the Saints they've had they had Michael Lewis. He had a that what was the year where he just shattered the return yards record, right? You had Mel Gray. Mel Gray had multiple 100-yard returns for the Saints. He had one against San Francisco. He had one against Denver. Um, Tyrone Hughes, you could pick – well, you know, so it's a lot. But I, I think I think you're right, man. I, I, think, I think those are the four. Anybody in the chat room is uh, – the Hartley kick – people in the chat room are saying the Hartley kick has to, uh, has to be on there is the consensus. You can't – we could do a top five. We just had – Andrew's dad wants a top five on Mount Rushmore. We just make the heads smaller, and then we can squeeze in five. <laughs> we'll add another president. Well, Trump – Trump will. they're going to add Trump to Rushmore. <laughs> well, of course. Future, right? Wait, they haven't already? No. I mean, you know, he's got to be dead first, I think. Well, that's another rule he's going to have to change. <laughs>
So speak, you know, there's a good set, you know, the thing about Tom Dempsey before we, we move on to another topic is he was a, for the, his stats, it's hard to look at kicker stats, Andrew, from way back when, because kicking was just, teams didn't understand it. So if, if a kicker made like more than half his kicks, he was considered good. Tom Dempsey, the Saints actually got rid of him and he went on to kick a lot for a lot, you know, for Philadelphia for a bunch of years. And he was a pretty decent kicker for the time. Um, and he was one of the – that was in the transition where kickers were starting to go to the soccer style but not quite. And Tom Dempsey was still one of the straight-on kickers. Um, so just the last thing I'll say about him is he made that kick and the Saints, they had fired the coach – in 1970, they had fired Tom Fears and the interim coach, J.D. Roberts. John Meekham got so excited. Literally, that night, he made him the permanent coach. And J.D. Roberts was fucking terrible. And he gave him like a, <laughs> he gave him like a four-year contract. So only the Saints could take something wonderful like breaking the NFL record for field goal and turn it into something terrible that affected the franchise for like three more years. Yeah, no surprise there. Well, spin, spin zone, uh, Tom Dempsey's 63-yard field goal wasn't even really that impressive because Garrett Hartley kicked one today as a tribute. And if Garrett Hartley can do it, whatever, anybody can do it, I guess. <laughs> Did he make it? Yeah, he made it. I'm just kidding because it took looked like it took him a bunch of tries because the video he posted, there's like all these other balls down there by the – by the field goal post. So you, you know those are all his failed attempts. Like he recorded that like 10, 11 times before he finally got the, before he finally made it. I wonder how many I wonder how many how many hours he was out there kicking. That's right. He looked a little sweaty and hot and bothered. In fact, after he kicked it and turned around he was like this one's for you Tom Dempsey. He he, he looked like he was really just frustrated and over it already. Well, there's a big difference too between just kicking it in practice and I don't you know, know, having, having a, a snap having a and a hold. Yeah. Well, well, the crazy thing about that 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 uh, that kick is, you can go on YouTube and you can find it. The the actual, I guess I think it's the NBC broadcast, and there was only like eight seconds. So the Saints ran one play. Al Dodd, Al Dodd made a ridiculous catch on the sideline, and the Saints actually kicked it from their own thirty-seven because in nineteen seventy the goalpost was at the front of the end zone, not the right. back. So. Uh, it was 63 yards still, but he kicked it from the Saints 37, which is just fucking ridiculous that they were that they even right. contemplated like, yeah, yeah, we're right. kick it. You're not even past the 50. You're not even close to the 50. You're not even close. Like I didn't realize until I went back and watched it that I was like, because the, the Detroit scores and and I'm like. There's eight fucking seconds left. How did the Saints have a drive? I'm like, they didn't have a drive. They had one fucking play. Um, but rip to Tom Dempsey. He really was, um, you know, I would say. You know, the Saints didn't get the top pick in that draft class because he made that kick. What year was that? It was. It would have been uh, this... this was 1970. So the Saints had the second pick in and they 71. And they picked Archie, and Jim Plunkett was the first pick. Um, you know, I mean, both were good quarterbacks. Plunkett won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. Two Super uh, Bowls. Two Super Bowls. Um, 
including Super Bowl 15 in New Orleans. Um, but, uh, you know, who knows if the Saints, if he misses that kick and the Saints get Plunkett instead of Archie, would they have been a better team? No. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. No, Archie's career would have been fucking completely different, right? He would have been much better. Yeah. He would have been he would have been better off. Although New England at the time was just as shittily run as the Saints and they did not they did not get their act together at all really in the 70s at all, I don't believe. So maybe Archie wouldn't have been better off. But that's a, that's an interesting point, Andrew. That kick that kick cost the Saints the number 1 pick the draft uh so um but you know, it, i mean i i just want to say real quick um you know about dempsey i i was sad to hear the news especially in light of what's going on right now uh because obviously uh we're, we're living it every day and it's uh it's not great and then when you hear a saints legend a guy that had such a memorable and important moment in team history uh, you know, and obviously he, he did have dementia and he wasn't himself. And I think the last several years of his life, uh, from a quality standpoint, maybe weren't the same as what we were used to from him. But um, all the same, I think just to see him taken away too soon uh, from this is just uh, a sign of the times. And man, it, it was sad to hear. Uh, but he, he again, I mean, I just want to reiterate, I, I think Dempsey when you talk about the moment of that kick and a record that stood for over 40 years uh, and it wasn't tied until Jason Elam in Denver. And I remember in Denver, the altitude in mile high stadium, I mean, we've had, we've seen one sixty-four yard kick from Matt Prater, one sixty-three yarder from Janikowski and one sixty-three from Elam all in that stadium. And Dempsey was kicking below sea level. Uh, so there is a difference there in terms of, travel and height and all that stuff. So, um, and his anyway, game. I mean, it, they, it was a Elon's remarkable record. I mean, yeah, I remember, I mean, I'm just trying to think of some of the greatest records that have stood for a really long time. And you know, I remember Carl Lewis had a world record that stood in track and field for Johnny many years. His touchdown record, the, the consecutive games. Oh yeah. That stood. Yeah. But they had that on NBC Friday night. They had the, that NBC Sports showed the entire game. But when you look really at but when you look at longevity, I mean, I would say that Dempsey was not only a Saints icon. I I would say that that was a NFL. I that was an iconic record. I mean, people told me on Twitter that when they went to the the NFL Hall of Fame as kids in the '80s and '90s, that was the only fucking Saints thing in there. <laughs> was Tom Dempsey's shoe? Right. And before we get off Tom Dempsey, I have to tell a quick story. My dad hated Jim Finks, the old Saints general manager, Dave. And you know why he hated him? Because Jim Finks was the general manager of the Detroit Lions. And after Dempsey made the kick, Jim Finks put in a protest because Tom Dempsey wore a special shoe because he had a club foot. And Jim Finks is like, is that shoe legal? Should the kick count? And, of course, the NFL was like, yeah, it counts, dude. And my dad remembered that and just hated Jim Finks forever. And it's just hysterical. Most people are like, oh, Jim Finks, he was a good GM for the Saints. He got him winning. My dad was like, that's the asshole who didn't want Tom Dempsey's kick to count. Fuck that guy. Uh, I, I feel like I, that's – sorry, go ahead, Dave. 
Well, I was going to say, I feel like that's not uh, a valid argument because if you've got a problem with it, then you need to have a problem with it at the beginning of the game <laughs> yeah. before he participates in the game. You can't claim this in the middle of a, halfway through the game or at the end of the game. Did Dempsey make any other field goals prior to that kick? I'm well, sure he, he was did. in the Pro Bowl the year before. No, no, I mean like, but in that game, in that game specifically, oh. did he have other field goals? He did, in that yes. Game? He did. Yeah, well, so he didn't have a problem. He, he didn't have a problem with any of the other kicks he made earlier in that game. He just had a problem <laughs> with that one kick. Yeah, cry me a Bra- fucking river, dude. Brad says he's a shoe narc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad reminded me. I, I forgot that my dad had told me this story about the kick, but he was listening to the game on the radio at the time, and he told me that the radio citywide went out right as the kick was going through the uprights. And so what are the people, chances? That's so new. That's so I know. On, brand, on brand for New Orleans. It's the most <laughs> New Orleans thing ever. But I remember him telling me that he didn't know, and, and no one in New Orleans knew that was listening to the game on the radio, that the Saints had won until multiple seconds later. That is fucking... There was just that, like seven seconds of dead air. As you Ralph would say, that's chef's kiss. Of course, <laughs> that's fucking perfect. Yeah, Ralph Sorry. hasn't used chef's kiss in a while. No, that's that's that would be on brand if if we were doing the Saints radio back then. Our, our audio quality would definitely have gone <laughs> out. But the weird thing about Saints history in the '70s is they don't have a lot of the audio from it. They have like Dempsey's kick and other things, but like apparently like WWL and the other station that had it in the '70s, like they didn't do a good job of archiving stuff. So like, there's a giant chunk of time in the '70s that just radio broadcasts for the Saints just don't exist, which is again on brand for the fucking Saints. Play play that uh, clip again, man. I want to hear that again. Will it try to kick the longest field goal in National League history? They're sending him on with two seconds. Scarpetti will hold. Here's the snap. The ball is down. Dempsey kicks. It's on the way. It is. Good. It's good. It's good. The Saints have won. The Saints have won. The stadium is wild. Dempsey is being mobbed. The I will say. The Saints have won. 19 to 17. I will say. That's that awesome. stadium was fucking filled. And that Saints team was God was, awful. And Tulane Stadium was I was, was going to say, it sounded, it sounded loud. Like, it's I'm, full, I man. Thought that, I thought nobody went to those games back then. No, man. The Saints, the, the Tulane Stadium, the for the first, like, four years the Saints were there, like, it was it was 80,000 every week. Like, people in New Orleans. You know, it kind of, that call was eerily similar to week one against the Texans by Zach Streif. It was. I wonder if <laughs> Zach Streif is listening to old Saints uh, audio tapes. Who is that? Who's, who is who is that making the call? I have no idea. I think J.D. Oh. I, get, I get the – there's a J.D. J- Polites? No, I thought he was the old LSU guy, but he might have oh. been. But Andrew's dad probably knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us in the chat if you're listening who called that game. Wait, now now what I noticed, the holder, Scorpetti, that's Italian. I like uh, that. And yeah. uh and then <laughs> And um Dempsey, well that's my wife's maiden name, so my I feel like, no. I feel like I feel akin to this. You my wife. An Italian and a Dempsey teaming up for an incredible moment. It's like uh <laughs> My my wedding. It's like my wedding day. <laughs> I have to say, you know, 
with Tom Dempsey passing, unfortunately, it's a hard time and, and rest in peace. But it is interesting, Dave, that ESPN, of course, has no fucking sports to broadcast. And they're just like picking random things that they think people will be interested in watching. They played USC Texas last week, the 2006 Rolls Bowl, which was freaking amazing, right? Um, and tomorrow, they have decided to play Saints-Falcons from 2006, which, of course, as Saints fans, we love it. People are talking about on my Twitter timeline, they're like, is it okay if I tailgate in my yard? Like, people – and, and <laughs> WWL is going to do a pregame show, and they're going to do the live the broadcast. Bro- the broadcast with Henderson, Hokey, and – uh, the late Kenny Wilkerson on the sideline. So they're going all out. And of course, we love it. But Andrew, I have to say, I'm surprised that ESPN picked Saints Falcons as something they think America is going to watch Monday night. I, I mean, are I you, love it. Are you kidding? Well, I mean, like if you're I mean, not you, a Saints I, I, I think ESPN knows. Yeah, well, all of New Orleans is going to watch it. But you got to remember the, the story of the saints that year, if you Ralph, all these international fans that ha- have come to it's love our podcast, most of them started with this game, this and that story. And I really think that it will garner, I mean, ESPN maybe isn't watching Nash internationally, but I, I really do think that was a, a national story. It wasn't just about new. Orleans. It's going to do it. It's gonna do a ridiculous number in New Orleans tomorrow. It's gonna to yeah, do. Like, it's gonna do a like Super 90% Bowl Ninety percent of the TVs. Uh, no, I'm gonna tell you right now. I I could be wrong about this, but I I think we're so bored and we're so desperate for anything that New Orleans <laughs> is gonna embrace this. It, at least in New Orleans, I believe it will have the ratings of a regular season NFL game. I think it's gonna <laughs> be higher. I think it's gonna have well, a like super- my kids. So my kids' schools, they're having, like, black and gold day tomorrow, but e- even though they're not actually going <laughs> to school. Remote black and gold day. I love it. Yeah. No, seriously. They're all they're saying, oh, wear your, wear your Saints uniform on your Zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, you know, my son goes to school with, uh, with uh, Steve's son. So uh, we're definitely going to watch it together. I've shown it to him before, but I'd like him to, like, watch it from the beginning. And I, who am I kidding? He's, he's not going to. He's not mature enough to like grasp the. Uh, he's about to be eight, but he's still not mature enough to grasp the significance, you know, that it had for everybody in New Orleans. So, but I still would like to watch it because he knows Mr. Steve, and I think he would think it was pretty cool. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. The interesting thing with 2006 is, Andrew, that team was fucking terrible in the preseason. Like, there was yeah. no, What's that? Well, I mean, Drew Brees was skipping passes in yeah. training camp. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> th- th- there was – I mean – I wrote a column previewing the season and I said they would go eight and eight and 
be a wild card team just because. And people were like, you have lost your mind. This team is awful. Like, they traded for Shanley because their linebackers were terrible. Like, for they them. They shipped out Dante Stallworth. Yeah. I remember just being like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I mean, what did they, what did they get? A second round pick in Mark Simino for Stallworth. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but Dave, there was there was no sense of like they're going to be good. And then they start two and zero. They beat Cleveland. Cleveland was always trash, but they went to Green Bay and fell behind Green Bay thirteen nothing. Came back and won like going away. Like so, it wasn't just like oh my god, they're returning to Super. It was like. They're two and zero, and if we get to three and zero, like shit, we could make the playoffs and stuff. So it, it 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 felt even bigger than I imagined it. Dave, do you remember that day? I have specific odd memories of that day because uh, I was in New Orleans to see it. What do you remember most about that day? I don't remember. I don't really. I don't remember anything of the day prior. You know, uh, prior to the game, uh, or leading up to the game. Um, I think I, you know, I had I had a few drinks, and so I mean, during the game, I think I was a little inebriated. But I mean, I remember. I think the kick was in my corner at that time. I was sitting in section 108, which is like the corner of the end zone, and I think it was on my side of the field. Uh, when Gleason blocked the kick, but I do remember, I mean, I just remember going shit face and going crazy and my seat was off the aisle and I was just in the aisle, just totally hysterical, you know, and hugging and, and high-fiving everybody around me. And, uh, I do remember like my pants were like too big and I wasn't wearing a belt. And so I like, I had to keep pulling out my pants and I had to like celebrate, but also hold up my pants at the same time. Uh, but I mean, it was, and then a lot, the rest of the game was really kind of blurry. I mean, cause it was like, even though the score was, uh, three, what that three, nothing at that time. Was it three, nothing at that time? No, I think it was, uh, zero, zero still. There was no score, but uh, it was just like, you just knew from that moment on, you just knew that there is no way that the Saints are going to lose this game. Not with this crowd, on this night, in this moment. Uh, you knew after that blocked punt that uh, it, was just, it just was an impossibility. It was no way the Saints were going to lose that game after that. Yeah, the defense was good, but they weren't, they weren't a great defense. And I just remember the combination of the players in that game playing like it was do or die and the impact that the fans had on the Falcons offense. I mean, Michael Vick was erased in that game and Michael Vick going back to the Hazlitt era. I mean, he owned the saints. I don't think Aaron Brooks ever beat him. And I I just remember Michael Vick. Every time we played him, he would, he would either blow the saints out or he would make a play in the final two minutes and rip our guts out. And, for him to get erased like that, I mean, it, you really felt early in the season, 2006, this team was different. Um, but uh, I, that that was probably the biggest surprise to me was just how easy it was for this defense, which to me wasn't an, an elite defense to, to contain Michael Vick. No, that was kind of though Michael Vick was starting to he like the Jim Moore starting uh, to decline. Yeah, Falcons were kind of like people were like, and Jim Moore is not that good of a coach, and this and that. The thing I remember most about that day was just. 
my mom at the time had a um a FEMA trailer trailer out in front of her house and I remember like we 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 got dressed up and we're getting out the trailer and my mom she she closes the door in the trailer and she's like yeah it's just a normal normal Saints game going out of our trailer and going to the game it's everything's back to normal <laughs> and we and we just laughed as we went and you just like drive through Lakeview and it's just like the apocalypse oh yeah but then Lakeview. Lakeview you kind of get downtown and everything's kind of like bad. It kind of felt like a normal Saints game, right? You go in, people were excited. Um, but I, I'm telling you, tomorrow night, Andrew, it's going to get a Super Bowl rating in New Orleans because what the fuck else are we have to do? We have nothing to do, you know? Um, and yeah. I will say, Tony Kornheiser and Joe Theismann on that broadcast are terrible. They're just Oh, awful. God, I forgot. They're, they're Wait, so ESPN is not, not – having them and they're going to have the saints call no wwl uh, w- is doing the saints oh uh, i gotcha well, I'm, gonna, you... I'm gonna try to i'm gonna try and just sync them up so i'll, yeah. I'll do wwl on my alexa and then uh i'll sync just play up. the game on mute yeah. yeah you gotta sync it up yeah but uh yeah so that'll be fun tomorrow uh, we'll be on Twitter. Like, are they? They're doing the full broadcast. Like, are they doing? The are they full. gonna do like Green Day and U two and stuff? Yeah, like, that's the thing game? I want to know. Like, they're doing the full broadcast, so I wonder if they're gonna do the pregame show too. Right, right. You know, I would think they you gotta, would. You gotta show that concert. That's like part of the for oh, me yeah. at least. That's like part of the build up. You know, part yeah, of yeah, the, that was getting, cool. Getting in the mood. Yeah, I remember. So I remember going to that game, and uh, I went with my mom, and this was. At the time, I had just started dating my wife. Um, my wife. I, I invited her. We, we had been dating for, for like two weeks, and I invited her to the game. Uh, she couldn't make it, so I ended up taking my mom instead. And you talk about the deafening noise. You guys were both in the stadium that day, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I I've been to a lot of Saints games. I mean, dating back to my childhood, and I. Uh, I mean, maybe the NFC Championship game against the Vikings came close, but I have never heard the Superdome like that. No, I don't think the I don't think the NFC Championship game was that loud for as long. 2006, that noise just seemed to it last was sustained, yeah, and last and last, you know. And, and the eruption on that touchdown by Curtis Deloach um, when Steve Gleason blocked the punt, uh, that was the apex. I mean, that was the explosion. And it's too bad, you know, now they have that noise meter where they measure it. It's too bad they didn't have that in that moment. It would be bigger than anything Seattle's ever done. Yeah. The, the interesting thing that ESPN did, and I'm sure their director told them to do this, is – after the after Mike Tirico did the call, ESPN just stayed quiet for like 90 seconds for the broadcast, and they just showed the stadium, which was amazing. Um, you know, uh, that game they also I think Fred Thomas blocked a field goal, just a random thing, which you can look forward to. Uh, it it was an amazing moment, Dave. The one thing that sort of I sort of remember about it is it's sort of like it, most NFL teams you can't point to like one moment where like everything changed right like with the Patriots right. you can kind of do it it's like 
uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady started the play. We ended up started winning. We won a Super Bowl. And you could point to that at ex- exact moment. The Saints, man, you can point to it. It's like there's like everything before Gleason and Gleason blocked the punt. And then the golden age and the winning and the awesome started. Like it's a clear delineation point of like Saints history of like when the awesome started. And I don't think most teams sort of have that exact moment, right? I mean, I agree with you that, uh, you know, the Patriots, the Bledsoe, you know, Tom Brady getting Wally, you know, Wally Pipping situation. That's definitely, uh, uh, that was a, a franchise changing moment. And uh, look, if we're being really honest, it wasn't necessarily Gleason's block punt that, that changed the franchise. Uh, it, it was definitely the defining moment for the city. But if we're being realistic, you know, the 2006 offseason is really yeah. what what changed the franchise. Hiring Peyton, signing Breeze, drafting Colston, drafting Bush, uh, Streif, Harper, all those guys. I mean, technically, yeah, I mean, technically, that's really what changed the franchise. But but Gleason's kick, certainly for the city, that is the defining moment for the for the team and for the city. You know, the only lament that I have about watching this game, I'm, I'm super excited. I, I, I haven't. I don't know that I watched this game again after 2006. So I was there that day, and I definitely watched it afterwards. But I don't know that I've watched the game start to finish since 2006. So I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited uh, to show my son the game, but also before the game, explain to him what it all meant and what was going on at that time. And um, so I'll do my best to kind of – teach him about that and my dad's coming over so uh we're kind of breaking the uh distancing laws for that but i flew in to new orleans from california flew out tuesday morning at 5 15 a.m and went to work tuesday in california people were like you are insane i was like I gotta get to this. My mom's like, you're not coming in for this game. I'm like, I bought the ticket after the Sunday that they beat Green Bay. I was like wavering, ah, should I go? Should I not? And then they beat Green Bay. I was like, fuck it. I am going. And my mom's <laughs> like, you're buying the ticket late. Isn't it through the nose expenses? I'm like, yes, it is. I don't care. They're 2-0. and I'm going to this game. Well, um, this this win also put them on the map because I don't know that at 2-0, and they weren't really on people's radars i remember i had a super early flight the next morning after this game and i flew out at like 6 a.m which i still regret to this day because uh, <laughs> i was i was partying after the game but uh so i fly i fly out at like 6 a.m on tuesday i've barely slept and on my flight is espn uh tom jackson uh you know from the espn monday countdown set and um Eric Casilius, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's oh, yeah. uh, he was like an ESPN personality. Yeah. And they sat close to me on the plane. And like, you know, when we were single filing out, uh, when, when we landed in uh, Atlanta, um, I, I got a chance to talk to them, like as we were waiting to kind of deplane and stuff. And I asked them, you know, hey, what did you guys think about the Saints? And you know, do you guys think they can go far this year? And both of them just said, I knew they were okay. I had no idea their defense was this good. And it was interesting to kind of get their perspective as guys that cover the NFL and 
they they really they both told me we thought Atlanta was going to come in here and just Vic was going to tear him up, and I, I they were just like I can't believe how well this defense played. Well, you got to remember, right, Dave? And stage has that defense was atrocious. You know, it's so long ago now. People forget. Right. I, I mean, Vic, Rick Venturi. Who were the bad people <laughs> on that? Well, right. the only downside, so what I was going to say is the, the only negative thing about watching this game is that I'm going to have to watch four quarters of Josh Bullock's at free safety again. <laughs> Andrew, you should grade Josh Bullock's game tomorrow and do it as a $10 <laughs> post for the $10 patrons. You, sh- you, should, you, should grade the, you should grade the Saints like it's a game day. I might do that. I might. I might do that. I, I mean, shoot, you guys pay ten bucks a month. I'm doing it. I'll grade every Saints player in that game. Done. <laughs> Is that? Will I be able to rewatch that on uh, NFL Game Pass? Does it go back to 06? I think it does. I think it does. All right. Awesome. Um. So. 2006 will be fun tomorrow. Uh, the draft is coming up, fast approaching. Dave, I just want the Saints. I need them to pick one LSU player this year and give. I really me... want. I really want Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I really. I. I. I just. I think Peyton. That would be his wet dream if he could get a guy like him. <laughs> I. I know that we've got Kamara and he doesn't really fill any need. But. Uh, what about Ladavius, li- your boyfriend? I'd, I'd like to see it. He would be my new boyfriend if they got. If they got Edwards Alaire, he would be my new boyfriend. So, do we trade Latavius Murray if that happens? I don't know. I don't know if they're. I, I think, you know, Alaire is more like a Camara guy to me. He's a well, pass catching, small, they, shifty kind of guy. But if they drafted uh, Alaire in like this, if they moved up into the second round or got him in the third round, Andrew, I fear we'd get the tweet from Alvin Camara of, "It's been fun, New Orleans." <laughs> like, yeah. They, who- who was that? Who did that? Who said that? Uh, Reggie Bush, right? Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, I, I still can't get over that all it took was winning a title to finally make you an LSU fan. <laughs> it's like, just, bizarre, it's like bizarre it. where like, he actually wants LSU players now. I want... There have been a, new, a number of guy, a number of LSU guys that I've wanted the Saints to draft, uh, and they never, they never do it, which is, which is why this is never happening because they never. But this the, is the, the year the they finally have an offense with Joe Brady in the system. This is the year. This is, this is exclusively an o, uh, an Ohio State SMU team. We don't draft anybody else. It is, it is true. So I gotta get to. Um, some Twitter questions that we got that are, that are really interesting. This is from Eric. Uh, which former Saints coach would have had the weirder reaction to trying to run a team during coronavirus, Ditka or late-stage Jim Mora? Wait, what? <laughs> Who would have had what? a harder time running the Saints during coronavirus, Ditka or late-stage Jim Mora? Uh, fucking Ditka. Ditka. Ditka could. Ditka, Ditka probably Ditka. can't even run his yeah. iPhone, man. Like Ditka, you... yeah. Ditka couldn't run the team when. I mean, Hazlitt had to deal with them practicing in a parking lot during <laughs> Katrina. D- Ditka couldn't even make a team with perfect conditions function. That is true. <sighs> Ditka, man, <laughs> trading away all the picks, man. I can't believe it. Uh, also, this... was Hazlitt ever worse than seven and nine before Katrina? 
No. I mean, Katrina year, I don't count it. Like, it didn't. To me, it doesn't. Yeah, it well, Ditka's best year was 6-10. and 10. And the, here's the thing. I mean, Ditka didn't ha- never had a quarterback, but Ditka had talent. Did, yeah, Ditka, they actually had the makings of a really good defense, but they they didn't know how to run free agency. They let win for Tub leave, win for Tubbs leave. Um, Ditka stacked his lines. The offense and defensive lines in the Ditka years, it's criminal how poor they were considering how good they were in the trenches. You know, if Ditka, I will never understand why Ditka didn't fall in love with Jake Plummer, the quarterback for Arizona State in the 97 draft. And I'm not saying Jake Plummer was great, but He's if they had, just, they had just had competent quarterbacking, like they'd have made a They'd have made the playoffs with Ditka one of those years. Like, they're, Did, the, Ditka didn't like uh, mobile quarterbacks. He didn't like running quarterbacks. Yeah, I just felt like Jake Plummer had that like Jim Harbaugh like grit that Ditka liked. You know, I never understood. When he, he loved Keith Poole, like he loved Keith Poole, but he didn't love the guy throwing to him. Like that made no sense to me. I'll never. If I ever, if I ever meet Ditka, I'm gonna ask him that. And what the fuck did you see in his Schuler, Mike? I need need that explained <laughs> to me. Oh my God, <laughs> Ralph! Ralph, Andrew's dad is uh, dropping knowledge bombs about uh, who the announcer was for the the who Tom Dempsey it? kick. I don't know if you see that, but I want you to um, I want you to pronounce that name for me. I don't see it. Where? <laughs> how far oh, is it? Don. <laughs> I can't. I don't. Let me see. I I don't know where that is in the chat. I'm trying to look for it. It's like at the very end. It's like the fourth comment up. Uh. Uh, Don Cricky? I have, I have no idea. That's probably right. I'm going to say yeah. Cricky. Cricky. <laughs> yeah. He was a I think I think he was a he was the I don't think he was on the clip that we played. I think he's the he was the national broadcast. But um this is a good question uh from Jed Andrew. What's the sexiest first-round pick the Saints could make within reason, but not necessarily the smartest? Well, it's got to be an LSU player, right? (laughs) I mean, perfect segue. Uh, Sexiest, well... Whoever had the fastest 40 time. Yeah, I guess I mean, the sec. I, I, I feel like running backs are always sexy. So like, if the best back in the draft is available, that would just be a terrible idea. <laughs> What's the guy from Wisconsin? Jonathan Taylor. I guess if yeah, he's, there, yeah. he's there at twenty-four, that would be that would be chaos because if they draft him, there's no way they're paying. If they draft a running back first round, there's no way in hell they're paying Camara, so he's Gonzo, and you cannot probably book it that he's going to get traded during the draft, maybe. So that would be that would make me. Or sad. what about what about uh, Dondre Swift from Georgia? Ugh. None of the Georgia players excite me, and I know people are like, I want Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm is Garrett Grayson 2.0. Yeah, he really is. I mean, like. I want nothing to I want nothing to do with Jake Fromm. If they pick him in like the third or the fourth round, fine. But Dave, I want nothing to fucking do with that guy. I'm sorry. I want nothing to do with any quarterbacks in the draft. I'm a, I'm a Taysom Hill guy. 
you're, 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 you're Our guy's already in the building. He's already in the building. <laughs> um, Brad asks, is it insane to tailgate for tomorrow night's game? Dave, are you no, going to be tailgating? Brad, Brad's going to be... Brad's gonna be smoking all the meats. It's it's gonna I'm, be it, it would be insane not to, Brad. I'm, I'm waiting for Brad to invite me over and break all quarantine rules. I'll stay six feet away, Brad. You just th- just throw them throw the meat in my mouth. I know that there is going to be one Saints fan that is gonna be like, fuck the stay at home, shelter in place law rules, laws, whatever, and they're gonna to go to the Superdome parking lot and they're gonna fucking set up their barbecue and it's gonna be them alone barbecuing and tailgating in the dome parking lot and they're going to fucking put that out on Twitter or Instagram and it's going to get 5 million views I'm going to make that prediction right now um, somebody's Andrew... going to do something tomorrow there's going to be some party tomorrow that's going to get shut down <laughs> WWL radio play guy was Al Wester that's from Joseph Haynes the third. Jo- thanks Joseph is, I think it, that is the clip you played uh, CBS or WWL no the, this the the clip I played is local Saints radio. I don't know. It, it was WWL was – they had the Saints in from the mids – from the 80s on, but I want to say it was somebody else that had the Saints in the 60s and 70s. But Al Wester, that does sound like the right name. And the guy who wrote the the uh, um, the, the definitive book on Saints history, Wayne Mack, he did – play-by-play for the Saints in the 70s and into the early 80s. Uh, the saga of the Saints, yeah. if, if if you can... If you go to Al Wester's uh, Wikipedia page, it says uh, his most famous call was the Tom Dempsey record 63-yard field goal in the last play against the Lions. Yeah. Yeah, saga of the Saints. It's the best Saints history book you can get. It's out of print. Get it on Amazon. You could probably find it for like 30, 40 bucks. Um... Ooh, this but is it'll good... take two months to get to you now. <laughs> no, baby. That's it's a fun... non-essential item. That's essential. You need to know Saints history. <laughs> I need to know it now. It's essential. I want you both what's the name? To... What's the name of the book again? Saga of the Saints. And what year does it go up to? It goes up to 1991. Oh, wow. It's got a lot of – it's got a lot of, like – nuggets and stuff that he doesn't really go into that are like really interesting that like in 1977 78 the saints almost hired don coriel to be the coach it was all done and his wife was like i don't want to move to new orleans so it got uh the kibosh put on it so they have like lots of interesting tidbits like that it's the best it's the best saint's history book there is and who wrote it wayne mack okay uh, here's a question I both want you to answer. It's from Bjorn. And Andrew, I'll start with you. What draft pick scenario burns Saints Twitter to the ground? I've been thinking about this for like 20 minutes during this podcast. This is a gr- It's a great question. Well, I've already answered this on a previous show, but I'll say it again uh, because this, this would be I- I- impossible to stomach. The Saints lose Taysom Hill. A team tenders him at the first-round level. The Saints lose Taysom Hill, but they get a first-round pick back. And so everyone's pissed that we've lost Taysom, but there starts to be a buzz, and it generates excitement about the Saints having two first-round picks, and they package them together to move up like five spots. (laughs) 
and pick. A I mean, receiver. the player do, the player doesn't even matter at that point. Oh, I thought you were going to say they package the twenty. They pa- the the Patriots get Taysom Hill, so they have twenty three, twenty four. I thought you were going to say uh, they they the Saints they package twenty three, twenty four, and the twenty twenty one first round pick and move up. <laughs> Move up nine spots to take a guard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's mine. <laughs> I think we'd all and look. I think Dave, that scenario would be even worse because we're locked in our houses, so it would make us even more angry than normal. I would go outside and scream in my out to all my neighbors and yell. <laughs> Um, so listen, everybody, uh, we're all cooped in our house. How, when is the draft again, Andrew? What's the dates? April March. 23rd. <laughs> so we got March, March, September 32nd, 3rd, when September 32nd, I feel like from like Tuesday to April Friday, 23rd. I Saturday, I have no idea what fucking day it is. Like, I know it's Sunday because I have to do the podcast and I have to work tomorrow. So I kind of get my bearings on Sunday. But Dave and Andrew, I just like starting Tuesday, I just completely fucking lose track of the days. Like, and I, it's just, it, it's like being on vacation, but not. It's like every day feels like the same day, but it's not. It doesn't feel like a Saturday. Every day feels like a Thursday. You know, it's like the weekend is kind of close so it's like kind of good but you're over that hump but it and it's not a monday but it's not the weekend i don't know but, no dave that is i, mean, a I have great... like some kind of i have some kind of a schedule because i i've been going and i've been going into work every day from like 10 to 3 and and doing some i have to now do the job of all five of my employees because i can't afford to pay them and even though we don't have a lot of work we still do have some work we still get some orders and some work so i have to do everybody's job and which is hard. And then, uh, but I've been going home at like three every day. I mean, I'm not working a full day and, uh, it's just kind of hard. It's like, I don't know, it's, just, it's just weird because it's kind of hard to, uh, kind of hard to like really work. I, I don't know. Like sometimes we'll get an order and I'll just be like, now I'm like annoyed that we're getting an order is even though I need even though every order now is like important and like crucial because, you know, business is in the shitter. But it's like now I get an order and it's just like, I don't know. It's just like I'm like stuck in between like not work like just not just shutting everything down and not working uh, and being full go. And it's just I don't know. It's just. This whole thing is just very weird. I'm, well, no, I, I, I feel you, man. It's like I book a band for someone in July and August, and I'm just thinking in my head, this is canceling. <laughs> well, I have to say, Dave, I'm going to order that awesome Tulane shirt, the Together shirt, just because. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's like the only, that's practically the only, one of the least. Main, main at least your sales are right final, now. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that shirt is like one of my one of my currently like one of my main sources of income. I have to uh, say I'm gonna I'm gonna place an order because I've I've wanted something with the I don't know what they call what do they call the little the gang, little uh, Pac-Man gang, ghost tooling guy. 
Angry Wave. The Angry Wave with the little megaphone. That that logo is kick ass, and I need something yeah. on there. So I'm gonna order a couple of the Together Apart shirts. Uh, I don't oh, mind repping Tulane, even Thanks. though I'm an LSU guy. I I don't mind it. I like Tulane. So um, yeah, the rivals. Yeah. So yeah. So everybody, I'm gonna order a couple of the shirts. You should do the same. It's a cool shirt. The Tulane. Angry Wave logo is probably like a top five college logo. That's no bullshit. It just is. It's accepted. Campusconnection.cc. That's the exactly. website. Campusconnection.cc. So do that. Thanks to everybody that supports the podcast. Uh, my wife is currently creating boxes, sending out cups, sending out shirts to people that have qualified for them, sending out all the merch. You'll be getting it sometime in April. We love you. Thank you for supporting us. And, guys, enjoy the show, The ESPN replaying the Falcon Saints from 2006. We'll be on the Twitters. We'll be around. It'll be fun. We'll pretend it's a game day, but it's even better than a game day because we know the Saints are going to kick the shit out of them. So for Dave, for Andrew, for Kevin – Kevin, we're still thinking about your his dad is still fighting. He's gonna beat that coronavirus. Guys, until next week, the bar is closed.